Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Join me welcome to our Frederick campus. Good morning to all the folks in Frederick today. So good to have you in church and also those of you who are joining with us online as we start a new series of messages that will take us through the next couple of months together. I'm going to talk about what to do when. I want to encourage you to be a part of this entire series. As I said, it will take us through the month of October as well as we study a very interesting book of the Bible, the book of Jonah. Oftentimes in life, we will say something like this, I don't know what to do. Maybe you've said that this past week. You're facing a circumstance or a situation, a decision you're trying to make in your life, and the response is, I I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. I don't have any idea of how I should handle this situation. These kind of questions come up time and time again, and they beg for guidance. They beg for information and knowledge and understanding that often we feel as though we don't have. The question becomes, how do we answer questions like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. In this little book called Jonah, we find a lot of answers to that question because Jonah had to discover what to do when certain things happened in his life. Several weeks ago, actually months ago now, as I began to study the book of Jonah, I was amazed at all the answers that came to Jonah, how God reached down into his life in some very real and meaningful ways and helped him to understand what life was all about, what his purpose was all about, and notwithstanding his own challenges, his own rebellion, God worked in meaningful ways through Jonah's life. We're going to talk for these next several weeks about what to do when, what to do when certain things happen in life. I want to talk this weekend about what to do when God calls. What do you do when God calls? Now, to understand the book of Jonah, I need to give you a little bit of information, some background knowledge of the book, so you'll appreciate it. We'll unpack more of this as the series continues over the next several weeks. But as soon as I mention Jonah, most folks identify Jonah with Jonah and the whale. Of course, you tend to think of Jonah and the whale. He's swallowed by a big fish and And it seems to be an interesting story, but sometimes people relegate it to something that's sort of a figment of someone's imagination. But Jonah, as we're going to see, was a very real person. In fact, Jonah was a prophet of God. To understand who Jonah was, I need to take you back in Israel's history. As God established the nation of Israel, starting with Abraham, and then, of course, leading them out of Egyptian slavery across the Red Sea to Mount Sinai and gave them the law and constituted them as a nation, they began to move toward the promised land and ultimately occupy the land of promise, the land of Canaan. Once they arrive in the land of Canaan, they want a king. They decide that they like to have a king like all the other nations. And so God gives them their very, very first king, a man by the name of Saul who reigned for 40 years. And then after Saul, David becomes the second king of Israel. And then after David, David's son Solomon becomes king. So there's a succession of three kings, Saul, David, Solomon. When Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became king. And suddenly there was a trauma, a disturbance in the nation because it was a competitor to Rehoboam. His name was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam and Rehoboam had some trouble with each other and they ended up in dividing the nation. And so Israel became a divided nation. And then we begin to see throughout the pages of Scripture two groups of people 
Ten tribes to the north is often referred to, most frequently referred to in Scripture as Israel. And then two, two tribes to the south referred to as Judah. But it's a divided nation. Ten tribes to the north, Israel. Two tribes to the south, Judah. Jonah was one of a few prophets that spoke to the northern kingdom. Because all of these kingdoms, north and south, had a sequence, a succession of kings. And Jonah often prophesied to the various kings. In fact, we find that Jonah was primarily engaged in ministry when there was a man by the name of Jeroboam II who was king of Israel, the northern kingdom. And it's very important to understand what's going on in the northern kingdom during the reign of Jeroboam II and the ministry of Jonah. It was a time of great prosperity. Everybody's doing really good. Things are looking up. Everybody's bank accounts are full and life is joyous and happy. They don't feel any uh, particular problems from enemies at that point in time. But there was a cloud looming over them. And the cloud looming over this northern kingdom, even though they were very prosperous, was the threat of a nation by the name of Assyria. Let me give you a little map here that will help you to understand a bit of what the story of Jonah is all about. We have, of course, this land of Israel and Judah, Israel being to the north, Judah being to the south. And of course, as we'll see next week, Jonah, we will find him first in a place called Joppa. But to the north is this threat called Assyria, not Syria, but Assyria. And Assyria was a moving world power. And so while Israel was prospering, Assyria was gaining influence and gaining strength and was a great military threat against the northern kingdom particularly. Jonah knew this and the king of Israel knew this. They all understood that this, this, this entity, this nation called Assyria could perhaps come at any time and capture them. And they were known to be extremely ruthless. When they would go into a territory, they would often do so generating as much fear as possible. They've been known to do things like flay bodies, the skin bodies openly in front of others so that they would see what happens to one of their enemies or systematically chop off limbs of their enemies and show them to all of those around to create fear or chop off the heads, decapitate and hang up heads on the city gates to intimidate those that they were capturing and ultimately to take them into exile. And so Israel was very much afraid of Assyria. Jonah is a prophet to Israel and he understands the threat of Assyria and so if Jonah wanted anything he wanted Assyria to go away and Israel to succeed and that's where the problem really happens for Jonah as we're going to see next week it's not my purpose today to talk about that particular dynamic but I do want you to see what's going on right now in this particular time in history now as I said a few moments ago we all have the tendency I say we all some is probably more accurate, had the tendency to sort of relegate the story of Jonah into sort of mythology. Certainly, Jonah could, there couldn't have been a person that was actually swallowed by a fish and lived in the belly of a fish for three days. Certainly, that could not have really, really happened. But we see that, in fact, it did happen, and Jonah is actually a real man at a real time because Jesus himself emphasizes this to us. This is why Jonah is so important in Scripture. 
Jesus pulls out the name Jonah and identifies a part of his own life and ministry with Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so when Jesus was describing his own death and crucifixion and burial, he goes to this man Jonah historical character who had an, a real experience and existed three days in the belly of a whale or the belly of a huge fish, more accurately. And Jesus said, the Son of Man is like Jonah, a real character, a real person. So Jonah is someone that's worthy of our study. I'm going to talk to us today about what do you do when? What do you do when God Calls And we see this in Jonah chapter 1, chapter 1, verse number 1. I want to lay this out for you in a moment. But the first point that I want you to see today is this. The call of God is to all of us. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. I don't want you to run past this one phrase. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word or the speech or the voice of God came to Jonah. God spoke to Jonah. Now, this is the very first verse of this amazing book in the Bible. And it describes this moment in time when God speaks from heaven to this particular man and gives him a word. Jonah hears something from heaven. He receives a word from God. Now, our purpose today will not be the content of the message. This is all I'm going to give you from Jonah today because this alone provides for us a great lesson in and of itself. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. It's an event that happened in Jonah's life that actually set the trajectory of his life. It changed everything in his life. It's very easy when we think about the word of God coming to someone to put people into special categories. God only speaks to people like the prophets in the Bible or the apostles in Scripture or certain special people who receive special callings from God. And it's true that God certainly does speak in special ways. He certainly spoke in special ways to the prophets of old. He spoke in special ways to the apostles. But God continues to speak today. God speaks in unique ways to every person. And I want you today to remove Jonah from the mix just for a moment and to think about God speaking to you. Because as surely as the word of the Lord came to Jonah, God wants to bring his word to you today. He wants there to be a fill-in-the-blank for you today. Instead of the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the word of the Lord came to put your name right there. Because God has something to say to you. God has something to speak into your life. And when God's word comes to you, it makes the difference. It completely changes the trajectory of your life. It gives you a sense of purpose and meaning. It inspires your life. It gives you a sense of assignment for your life. It gives you conviction about things that you need to be convicted of. It reevaluates and reestablishes your values, your priorities. It brings encouragement. It brings comfort to you. It brings direction and guidance for your life. The word of the Lord needs to come to you just like it came to Jonah. Because the call of God is not just for special people. The call of God is for all people. The call of God is for you. Yes, God does speak in unique ways to people at times. 
I could recount for you the time in my life when I was called into ministry. I will not do that today. It was when I was about 19 years of age. I'd been driving home from uh, my home away from college, driving back, back to college, excuse me. And as I was driving back to college, as sure as I was sitting in my car that night, the Holy Spirit invaded my little automobile that evening and spoke to me and called me into ministry and completely changed the trajectory of my life. It changed me forever. I would not be here today had it not been for that moment on that little country road where the Holy Spirit came into my car and called me. But as surely as God called me to ministry those many years ago, God has a call for you in your life today as well. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, it changes everything. It changes everything. And so the call of God is for you. I want you to say with me today, the call of God is for me. Say it together. The call of God is for me. It is for me. It's not just for Jonah. It's not just for the special people of the world or the specially called people of the world. God's call is for you and God's call is for me. Now that begs a question that I'm sure you're probably asking right now. Well, if the call of God is for me and if God wants to bring his word to me, how do I understand it? How do I know when God is speaking to me? And I'm going to lay out for you in the second part of today's message how we begin to understand God's call or God's word to our life. And that's through this process. Holy habits are the very thing that help us to hear God's call. Notice holy what? Habits are the things that allow you to hear the call of God in your life. Now, Jonah heard God because he was listening to God. Jonah would, have never, would never have heard God. In fact, the entire story of Jonah is a story of Jonah's interaction with God. And so Jonah loved God. Jonah is not a man who doesn't love God. He struggled with some things in his life, but he had a love for God. And we know that he heard God because he was listening to the voice of God. And the word of the Lord came to him. And we have to surmise from this that somewhere, somehow in Jonah's life, he had some habits that he had cultivated that allowed him to listen and hear God when he spoke. The same is true for you and me that you and I need some holy habits if we're going to hear God's voice in our lives because God has a call for you. How do you hear it? Holy habits. What is a habit? A habit is something you do purposefully and regularly that creates something that becomes automatic, more automatic in your life. The way I like to describe a habit is something that you practice that you regularly practice that then becomes a regular practice in your life. You regularly, intentionally practice it and then it becomes an involuntary practice of your life because you practice it enough. If you practice piano long enough, you take lessons and practice it long enough, then you'll be able to sit down at a piano and involuntarily, without thinking about it, play the piano. Why? Because your practice, your intentional practice has now translated into involuntary 
understand your muscle memory is there because you've now learned something has become a part of your life. And so God's voice, God's guidance comes to people who develop holy habits. And so if you want to know what God is saying to you, you and I are going to have to make sure that we cultivate and keep holy habits in our lives. So I want to describe for you today eight holy habits that will tune your ear to God's voice in your life. Do you want to hear God's word to you? Do you want to hear what God has to say to you? Do you believe that God has something to say to you? Do you want to hear what God has to say to you? Then these habits are essential to hearing the voice of God in your life. First of all, you have to practice humility. The original sin was not the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. The original sin actually was the sin of Lucifer in heaven where he exalted himself or attempted to exalt himself to the position of God and pride was found in him. And the exact opposite of the spirit and nature of God is a prideful spirit. And so Lucifer was cast out of heaven and cut off from fellowship with God because of pride. He was cut off from the voice or the flow of God's work in and through him because of arrogance or pride in his life. And the same is true for you and me. The degree of humility in your life will will determine the degree of hearing from God in your life. Should I say that again? The degree of humility in your life will determine the ability you have to hear from God in your life. What is humility? Humility is the acknowledgement of your need and dependency upon God and not upon yourself or anything else. It is completely dependent upon God. You know Him and love Him and trust Him and you are dependent upon Him. How do we know this is vital? The scripture teaches us. God says, for this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite or humble and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God says, I hang around with people who've learned to value and practice humility. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Notice that. These are the ones I look on with favor. Who are these folks? Those who are what? Humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. As long as arrogance or pride remains in our life, it shuts off the flow of God's voice to our lives. James the Apostle says it this way. He gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor, or the original translation, the word is grace as well. Grace or favor, either way, shows grace or shows favor to the humble. Do you want to hear God's word to you? Do you want to hear God's word to you? To hear his word, you have to practice humility. You have to learn the process of humility in your life. Number two, you have to practice what I'll call here quick repentance. Repentance is what happens when you recognize you've gone off mark with God. You've missed the mark with him. You sinned against him and you realize you need to get some things right with him. And the longer you wait to repent when you've gone away from God, the harder your heart becomes. 
happens every time. The further away from God you get in your life, the harder your heart is. And so the harder your heart is, the less you're going to hear God in your life. So that's why when you recognize that you're off track with God, the, the wisest thing you can do is get back on track as quickly as possible, to quickly repent. Here we find this illustrated to us in this verse, Hebrews 4, 7. God again set a certain day, calling it not tomorrow, but today. Not not tomorrow, today. God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, here it is again repeated. Today, that is right now, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you hear God convicting you of a sin, correcting you in some area of your life, don't put it off until tomorrow to address it. When should you address it? today. Why? Because the longer you wait, the harder your heart becomes, and the harder your heart becomes, the less you'll hear his voice in your life. Do you want the word of the Lord to come to you? You have to practice humility. You must practice quick repentance. Thirdly, you must be saturated with scripture. You need God's word in you. I know you hear me say this a lot, and that's okay. I'm going to say it and say it and say it and say it and say it. Because the, the most important thing you'll ever get in your life is God's Word. God's Word is, is you need the Word of God in you. That when somebody pokes you, Scripture comes out. Okay. The Word, not weird comes out. The Word comes out. Okay. There's a difference, by the way. That's another message for another day. Okay. But you get the Word inside of you. And when the word gets in you, it provides a a platform from which God can speak to you. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the word of the Lord in my life through a scripture that has been implanted inside of me. That's the platform upon which God speaks because he never speaks anything contrary to his word. So you need to fill up with scripture. That's why the reading of scripture is so important. You need to read it regularly, study it regularly on your own. You say, well, I read the Bible. I don't understand it. Read it anyway. I don't understand how a a brown cow eats green grass and produces white milk. I don't understand it. I I can't figure that out, but I drink it anyway. I don't understand it, okay? I don't understand how electricity works, but I use it, okay? There's a lot of things in life I don't understand, but I benefit from it. Can I get an amen right there? There's a lot of things in life you're not going to understand, but you can still benefit from it. And I'm going to give you a little, little secret today. Don't tell anybody else. This is our secret. There are times I read the Bible and I don't understand it. But guess what? I keep reading and I keep reading. And I keep reading because I know that something's happening for me that I may not grasp or I may not understand. It's going to be the very thing that sustains my life. Psalm 119 says, in fact, the whole Psalm 119 is all about God's word. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word where? Not in my head, but in my heart that I might not sin against you. Same chapter, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. So do you want God's word to come to you? The word of the Lord came to, put your name right there, 
You've got to develop the holy habits. What are they? Practice humility and practice quick repentance and be saturated with Scripture. And then number four, practice regular intimate prayer. No one can do your praying for you. There's a certain kind of prayer that you can only pray yourself because prayer is is a relationship thing. If you're going to have a relationship with with someone, you can't have a relationship with someone by proxy, okay? With somebody else like, oh, I want to be a friend with you, but I'm going to let that person be friends for me, okay? It can't happen that way. Same with God. If you want to be a friend with God, you have to have your own fellowship with God, your own time with God, not just in His Word, but in prayer, Now, if you've been around Christian circles for any length of time, you know that we always talk about Scripture and prayer. Why? Because it's important. It's it's extremely significant in your spiritual journey and your ability to hear from God. You need to be a person of prayer. Jesus taught us this. Look at what Jesus said about prayer. He says, but when you pray. Notice he didn't say, if you pray. He said what? When It's implied there that this would be a practice of you and I as believers in Christ. But when you pray, notice it's not someone else doing it for you. When you pray, go into your room. Not somebody else doing it for you. It's your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The reason Jesus teaches this, one of the reasons he teaches this is because he's dealing with the Pharisees who love to to have these public prayers but had no personal relationship with God. And so Jesus said, no, it's all about intimacy. It's about getting close to me and talking to me and pouring your heart out to me. And in those moments, I'm beginning to mold and shape you so that I can bring my word to you. Do you want to hear God's voice in your life? That's the question. If you do, you must practice humility. You must be quick to repent. You must saturate yourself with Scripture. You must practice intimate prayer. And then also you need to do this. We need to do this. Worship and study with God's people. You can't separate hearing from God from community. That's why what you're doing today is so important. Showing up at church today. That's the vital thing that you did today. Because you made the choice to come together with God's people and to worship together. And that makes a difference in your life. What difference does it make? Well, when we gather in worship, we're welcoming the presence of God's Spirit. He works among us, and we find encouragement from from one another. As we study together, we're able to gain understanding of God's Word and God's will corporately as a community and move together in our spiritual growth and journey. And so we worship and study with God's people. That's why we have classes here at Church of the Redeemer and provide opportunities for you to study. Why? Because you can grow up in your faith. There are things that you'll not get on a weekend that you could get through a specialized study. For example, we've had people that have heard God speak to them in very real ways through classes we've had here, like Steps to Freedom and other kind of classes. God began to work in their lives because they were subjecting themselves to an environment where God could work and speak to them. This is clear in Scripture as well. Going back to the early church, it says they, notice this phrase, they devoted themselves When you devote yourself to something, it means it's a priority. It's something you do consistently. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they were part of community life. So do you want to hear God? You've got to practice worship, corporate worship, and 
corporate study. You also have to practice and build and work on your trust and your faith. I'm going to touch this very briefly. When problems come your way, you have to learn to move beyond your feelings to a choice to trust God. Because your feelings will often tell you not to trust. You're not sure how things are going to work out. You have to rise up and say, you know what? I'm going to exercise trust and faith in God even when I don't feel like it. Even when it doesn't seem as though I'm going to be able to figure everything out. It's okay because I know God is going to work. And the reason this is important is because God is attracted to trust. God is attracted to faith. And so if you want to hear God, you need to remain as much as possible in an attitude of trust and an attitude of faith toward him because God speaks to people whose faith is directed toward them. Trust in the Lord. You know this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And then I'll mention just the last one very quickly here. Oh, is there a last one? Maybe there are two more. Yeah, there are actually two more. You need to make sure that you're maintaining attitudes of grace, gratitude, and generosity. Say these words with me. Grace, Grace. gratitude, generosity. Do you want to hear God in your life? That's the question we're asking today. What do you do when God calls? You've got to be ready to hear God's call. And I will tell you that unless you maintain attitudes of grace, gratitude, and generosity, you're going to shut off the flow of God's voice in your life. The Pharisees learned this because they knew nothing about grace. They operated under the law all the time. They were religious people. Do you remember the story of the adulterous lady that was brought to Jesus by the Pharisees? And they threw this adulterous lady, John chapter 8, in front of Jesus and says, Jesus, what are you going to do with her? The law says stoned her. And of course, Jesus just knelt down and began to write in the dust. And we'll talk about that at another time. But all the Pharisees went away and Jesus looked at the lady and said, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And Jesus said, go your way and sin no more. He treated her with grace. And so grace is essential in your life. When you become a Pharisee, you're shutting off the voice of God. When you become judgmental and harsh toward other people, you're shutting off the voice of God in your life. When you cease being grateful, You're shutting off the voice of God in your life. Why? Because gratitude opens us to the flow of God. When you cease being generous, you cut off the flow of God's presence and work in your life at some level because God is a generous God. And so if you want to hear from God, you've got to check these attitudes. Is my attitude an attitude of grace? Is my attitude an attitude of gratitude? Am I demonstrating and maintaining an attitude of generosity? Because that's what opens me to hear from God because God is gracious. God is a God of blessing and expects gratitude from us. And certainly God is a God of generosity. This is who God is. And so to to hear from him, we have to have attitudes that are consistent with his character and with his nature. Look at this verse of scripture. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, notice that phrase, no what? Bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I want you to see this. As soon as you move away from being gracious, you move into an attitude of bitterness in your life. The most bitter people, some of the most bitter people I've ever met are pharisaical. They're always judging other people. 
As soon as you move away from gratitude, you become bitter. Bitterness and gratitude go together because it begins to develop the attitude of, uh, of entitlement in your life. You begin to compare your life with other people. You become bitter about your life. And so you lose that grateful spirit about you. And as soon as you shut off generosity from your life, you begin to be bitter as well. Bitterness goes along with the lack of grace, the lack of gratitude, and the lack of generosity. And here the scripture says, make sure that no bitter root grows up in you because it's going to create trouble for you. And it's also going to defile other people. Last one I'll mention here in this section is this. If you're going to receive God's word in your life, you're going to need proper guidance from the right people. That's why you need to do everything possible to get the right people in your life and the wrong people out of your life. Amen? Amen. To make sure the voices that are in your life are the right voices, people that are going where you want to go with your life spiritually, and you're listening to the voices that have the opportunity to speak into your life that which is God's word and God's will for you. So we've talked about the fact. Let's review where we are. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, right? So God wants his word to come to you because the call is not, was not just for Jonah. God's call is for all. To receive God's call, what do we need to develop in our life? Holy habits. The more you form these holy habits, the more prepared you're going to be to hear God's call. Now let me say this before we go to our third, third point. These habits that I just described here are not habits you form one time and keep for the rest of your life. You have to continually make sure these are a part of your life. You never mature beyond the development of these things. You can be humble today and arrogant tomorrow. Amen? You can pray today, but stop praying tomorrow. You can be generous today and stop being generous tomorrow. All of these things are things that need to be continuing in your life. And so if they're going to continue in your life, here's my third point. Here's the deal. You're going to need some checkups along the way. Hearing God's call requires checkups. To make sure that you keep these things in place, you've got to stop from time to time and check up on how you're doing in these areas. So I'm going to give you six checkup questions as we wrap up today that will help you to always go back and make sure you're in a position for the word of the Lord to come to you. Check up question number one is this. What plans have I failed to give to God? You just stop in your life every so often and say, let's time out. You know, I've made some plans. Are there any plans in my life right now that I've failed to give God? Why is that important? Because if you're planning without God, that's called pride. Right? If I can do it on my own, I'm removing God from my life. I'm depending on me to set the course of my life. Then I'm, I'm operating in pride. I'm operating with a lack of trust in God. I'm perhaps operating in fear of letting God's will be done in my life. And so I'm, I'm really shutting down the voice of God. So we stop and ask ourselves regularly, what plans do I have that I fail to give to God? Can I ask you today in your own life as I ask myself, are there any plans that I have in my life that I haven't yet given to God? If so, you need to give those plans to God today and release them to him and say, God, whatever you want me to do is fine. I don't have any plan. My plan is your plan. 
My plan is your plan. Why? Because God's plan is always better than your plan, okay? That's something we can't get beyond at times. We think that our plans are so great. And God says, time out. I know the plans for, for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. So that's a checkup question, right? Here's a second checkup question. What ambitions and activities am I pursuing that distract me from God? An ambition is something, it's a goal that you're going after. An activity is something you're doing with your life right now. You're filling your time with. Are there any ambitions in your life or activities, things you're filling your life with right now that may not be sinful, may not be evil, but they're distractions from your relationship with God. They're distracting you. The problem with that is distractions create distance. And over a period of time, these distractions will not only distract you from God, they will distance you from God. So we're taking it down a level, right? What plans do I have that I haven't given to God? What distractions do I have in my life? Activities or ambitions am I going after that really are pulling me away from God? That's a very important question to ask yourself. This keeps you in a position to hear from God if you answer it honestly. And then number three, what hurts am I holding on to? you know that your hurts can keep you from hearing God? Did you know that your hurts can keep you from hearing God? That when you're hurt on the inside, you filter everything you hear through your hurts. Think about the last relational pain you had and how it affected how you heard the other person, right? You you hear people through your hurts. When your hurts are there, they filter. They become a filter that affects your communication. The same is true in your communication with God. When you're hurt, it affects how you hear from God. Everybody gets hurt from time to time. I've been hurt by people. Have you? Have there been any people in your life that have really hurt you? Everybody gets hurt. You don't have a corner on the market. It's not just you. It happens to every one of us. This is where we often think, well, it just always happens to me. No, it doesn't. It happens to everybody. The issue between people who move beyond it and people who don't relates to how you deal with it when it happens in your life. And if you hold on to it, it's going to make you hard. It's going to make you hard on the inside. It will shut down your ability to hear the voice of God or the Word of God coming to you. The next question is very similar to this one, but a bit different. And that's this, who am I angry with or have failed to forgive? Pastor, I thought you were talking about hearing from God. I am. That's exactly what I'm talking about today. Because if you're holding on to hurt, if you're angry with someone, that anger and hurt creates a, a, a narrative inside of you that blocks you from hearing clearly the voice of God in your life. When you fail to forgive someone, you put up a barrier between you and God. Did you know that? Some of you are like, I'm not sure about that. Let me say it again. When you fail to forgive someone, you put up a barrier between you and God. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Why was that included in the prayer because Jesus said if you don't forgive you block the flow of God's forgiveness and relationship with God in your own life so this is a checkup question checkup question 
Next question. How soft and pliable am I? In your life, are you still flexible? Are you still pliable? Are you still letting God shape you and work on you? Or, or have you become rigid and stayed? And I, I, I'm just who I am. Never going to change kind of person. Or are you still saying, God, I'm, I'm open to whatever you still need to do in me. I, I'm like putty. I'm like clay in your hands. Mold me and make me and fashion me in accordance with your will to remain soft and pliable to ask yourself that hard question am I really staying soft am I pliable can God do every, anything he wants to do with me whatever his will is can I allow him and am I willing to let him do that and here's the last question I'm going to ask you to read it aloud with me because we're going to conclude on this are you ready is my Christian faith a performance of duties and rituals or a passionate pursuit of my heart. I want to conclude there. Because that's perhaps the central question to it all. In your Christian faith, has your Christian faith become a performance of duties? You just do the duties, what you're supposed to do as a Christian, and following the rituals, but you've lost the passionate pursuit of Jesus in your life. In the book of Revelation book of Revelation, last book of the Bible, 66th book of the Bible. John is on the Isle of Patmos, exile because he's preaching the gospel. He's there most likely alone. He has an amazing encounter with Jesus and in the, fir- in the first section of that book, chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, before John gets into all the, the imagery of the last days, all those things that we tend to think of when it comes to the book of Revelation, before that happens, Jesus gives them some letters to send to seven churches. Seven churches of Asia Minor. And he dictates these letters to John for him to pass on to these churches and to pass on to us generation after generation to learn from. And in chapter 2, the letter was written and given to a specific church, a church called the church at Ephesus. And Jesus said, the one thing that I have against you, the one thing I want to address, oh, you've persevered, you've done some amazing things, but the one thing I want to remind you of is you've lost your first love. You're just performing the duties. You're just going through the motions. You're just doing the Christian stuff, but your heart's not passionate. You're not in love with me like you used to be. Can I ask you today, are you in love with Jesus like you used to be? Do you remember that day when you first accepted Jesus in your life? And you knew that your sins were washed away and you were a new creation in Christ and you wanted to tell everybody. You wanted the whole world to know that that you were now born again, that you were a believer in Jesus and he's alive and he's real and he's living inside of me and you have this passion to share your faith and passion to get into your Bible and passion to be in the worship of God and be with the people of God. Something's burning in you that's never been there before. It's that Holy Spirit fire. Do you remember those days? But over time life experiences and the hard stuff that comes our way it just sort of beats away some of that passion and before long we say oh I love Jesus but I'm not as excited as I used to be I'm not talking about frivolous emotions I'm talking about a passion of your heart that says I love Jesus more than ever before there's an old song we used to sing every day with Jesus 
is sweeter than the day before. Sadly, that's not the case with everyone. If your love for Jesus has grown cold, if you want the word of the Lord to come to you, there needs to be a rekindling of the fire of God in your soul again. Here's the beautiful truth. God's got the match, okay? God's got the kindling. God's got everything necessary to rekindle that fresh flame inside of you today because he wants to change the trajectory of your life through his word coming to you. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Lord, I've done the best job I've known how to do today to present this first verse of the book of Jonah. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah and helping us to realize you have a word for each one of us, there are things that we need to do to prepare ourselves to practice so that we can be recipients of your word. And Lord, most importantly, as we wrap up today's message, we realize that the most important thing for us is to be passionate about you, freshly aflame with a zeal for you, God, a love for you. And I pray today in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus that throughout this worship center, for those that are with us in our Frederick campus, for those who are watching online, I pray that for those individuals today that are reaching up to you saying, God, freshen my fire today. I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus that you would send fire from heaven down into our souls. Lord, not just to make us excited or create wonderful emotions, as wonderful as that might be, but Lord, to rekindle in us a passionate love for Jesus so that we can be prepared to hear your voice in ways that change the trajectory of our life so that we might fulfill every purpose you've ordained for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. 
And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.